Blog Talk Radio. evening and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. We want to give God thanks for the opportunity to meet with you this evening and it is my prayer that you are prospering spiritually uh, in the Word of God and in your walk of faith with Him. Uh, Tonight's show is entitled Faith That Cannot Be Tested, that is tested by God, cannot be trusted. So uh, there are several scripture references that I'm going to read to you tonight, and I pray that you're filled with the Spirit and that you are walking by faith uh, in these evil days. Paul states that we are to redeem the times because the, the days are evil. The days are evil. So with that, let us have a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you. Once again, for the opportunity to meet with your saints, we ask to be blessed by the Spirit of God, Father, that is all of us. You are our primary teacher, and we pray that you would open for us your word so that we all may prosper spiritually, and our journey would be exceedingly fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I'm going to... Uh, begin reading from Ecclesiastes. Uh, and then we're going to go to the book of Job. Um, because Job did not throw away his faith in God when life got tough. And for many uh, today, life life is getting tough. Life is tough. And life is going to be tougher. Uh, we are told <clears throat> uh, and not too distant future. So we want you to have stability, that is, uh, spiritual stability in the Word of God. Uh, he gives us hope. God gives us hope. And I want you to remember that God sits enthroned above the floods. He is above the floods. The, the wind and the sea will obey his will. And he can say to your situation and to my situation to peace, be still. And uh, this is what I want for you to experience. I want you to know that you're in God's care. And God does not, God has not uh, abandoned you. God does not abandon his people. Uh, We don't serve a God who abandons there are those who use his name and abandon, and abandon him, but God does not abandon. So, uh, Kohilas is the author of uh, this particular book, or his name Kohilas, or Ecclesiastes. And 
This book deals with the question, is life worth living? Is life worth living? And uh, so uh, for this author, first he states the problem and argues for the negative, and that is in chapter one and two. The question is, is life worth living? Uh, then he examines the problem from many different angles, chapters 3 through 10, and argues for the positive. He concludes that life is worth living if God is first and we obey his word, chapters 11 and 12. So that is a summary of this particular book. And six times, the author advises us to enjoy life now and be grateful for God's gifts. Chapter 2, verse 24, to 3, verses 12 through 15. Chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And chapter 8, verse 15. Chapter 9, verse, verses 7 through 10. And chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. So, uh, he uh, he is a man who engages in penetrating uh, and in-depth testing of life. This is a very powerful book if you would take the time to study it and to appreciate uh, the, its theme. Uh, in Hebrew, uh, he uses the word hevel. Uh, which means no reality, no reality. Uh, and verse 1, we re-quote the words of the teacher, Kohila. That is, um, it means, the name means one who assembles. Son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So this conclusion is the result of experience. What does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? And so the word hevel primarily signifies a breath or breath as a, a, as a, a construct of that which has no support or no continuance. And so he uses what is called an interrogative exclamation, which leads to the conclusion that uh, never anything right, real, enduring, or satisfying comes of it, that is, of this life. He is investigating life under the sun, life under the sun, S-U-N. So uh, please read and understand the end of verse 3. At which, why, what does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? So uh, this is a very poignant and powerful book, and it is well worth studying. Once again, uh, his, his method is to search into thoroughly. Uh, one might use the word science here. For the word science uh, merely means an approach to understanding, um, you know, 
some aspect of life. Technology uh, refers to tools that are used uh, in investigating some aspect of life. So technology is pragmatic, and it is also dangerous and scary. Uh, the applications that the ways that it is used for today. Uh, so I want you uh, to grasp onto this. And so uh, the the uh, what the author's theme is, and uh, what he wants uh, the the reader to understand that is the uh, the the dissatisfaction. Uh, the dissatisfaction uh, of life under the sun. Now, it was Richard Buckminster Fuller who stated that the average human being lives 800,000 hours, and then that is it. So, uh, again, the Hebrew word hevel means no reality. It means uh, vapor or that, that which vanishes. So this is a very important book and uh, for us to understand along with the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ uh, is our, is God's concrete reality for us in that the, uh, the, the incarnation is real. The incarnation uh, of Jesus was an actual historical event that happened uh, at a particular time in what is called significant history. Bible history, uh, Hebrew history is significant history. Old Testament history, uh, that is the Old Testament, uh, ended in 33 AD when Jesus uh, died up on the cross. And he rose again the third day, notice, according to the scriptures. So if you were to study prophecy carefully, you will understand um, what God is doing. And that God uh, is, is bringing uh, to, to fruition his plan in time. Uh, God will never lose. And please understand that God is in control of history. So uh, this writer has very important information for us to absorb. And he, uh, the book is in uh, part of the Hebrew wisdom literature. And, and so for our English Bible, uh, so is the book of Job. Uh, this is an ancient poem. This is ancient Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry does not use rhyme and meter. Hebrew poetry does not uh, connect words. Hebrew poetry connects thoughts, and that is a big difference. Once again, Hebrew poetry does not use rhyme and meter uh, to connect words. Hebrew poetry connects thoughts, and that is what we have in the book of Job. So uh, this is the oldest book in the Bible. Uh, and in this book, there are three encounters. There's the encounter between Job and Satan, 
chapters 1 and 2. And then there's the encounter with Job and his friends, uh, chapters 3 uh, through verse uh, through chapter 37. And then there's the encounter with Job and God, chapters 38 to 42. So um, we read at, in chapter 1 that, uh, that Job uh, was a man who was blameless and upright. He feared God. We read in the scriptures that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. He feared God and shunned evil. So we have a summary of his, of his godly character. And we're going to learn from this book that God's people are soldiers on the battlefield, but sometimes they are the battlefield. Job is going to be tested. He's going to toil in his faith. And uh, he's going to receive counsel from his wife. He's going to receive counsel from his three friends who want to convince him uh, that he has sinned. But that, uh, and so they want him to confess his sin so that he can repent and be prosperous again in his life. Elihu comes at the end, so Job has three friends plus one. It is this friend, uh, this last friend, uh, the fourth one, that moves into uh, moves from the encounter, his encounter with Job, to the encounter with God. So Elihu serves as an introduction to Job's encounter with God, and God's going to show Job something of his powerful majesty. So uh, in chapter 1, we have uh, the the number 10 that's prominent. Verse 2, he had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys, and he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And so here, 10 is used as a round number, and it indicates uh, completeness. And so, go, let me go down to verse 5. When a period of feasting had run its course, he's speaking of Job's children, Job would stand and have them purified early in the morning. Uh, this reminds me of David who uh, would like to rise early in the morning to greet the dawn uh, in order to greet God. So I, I love this. There are certain characteristics of the saints that, that are commonplace that are, and that are wonderful to think about. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering. And remember that the burnt offering typified the sacrifice of Jesus. So he would offer a burnt offering or a holocaust offering or that which ascends for each of them, that is for each of his children, thinking perhaps my children have sinned. And isn't that interesting? Uh, He is a faithful 
servant of God. He was a faithful parent, and he loves his children. So this is Job's thinking. Perhaps my children have sinned and cursed to God in their heart. This was Job's regular custom. So we see the character of Job. We see his godly practice. Nothing negative is stated about the faith of Job. What we have is a incredible testimony uh, given to us in the, once again, the earliest book uh, of the Bible. So one day, uh, verse 6, uh, uh, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan. Also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Now notice, the word Satan means adversary. Uh, and this word is also used in uh, the New Testament. It, this word Satan began in the Old Testament, uh, not as a reference to Satan, the personality, uh, the evil personality that we have come to understand, but it was used first in the Old Testament to refer to an adversary or an enemy, okay? Uh, and so remember that when uh, King Solomon uh, lapsed in his faith, God raised up a Satan against him, that is, an enemy, uh, in, in order to uh, bring divine discipline into his life. So what we're going to focus on tonight is not divine, uh, the divine discipline that God brings into the life of an individual who has sinned, okay? What we're going to focus on is the godly and how the godly ones, are te- their faith is tested by God. Now, you remember, uh, please understand that, that faith is made perfect or complete under pressure. And God uses divinely designed pressure not to uh, destroy our faith, but to build our faith so that we would look only to him. And we see uh, God do this in the life of Abraham. We see God do this in the life of Joseph. God did this. Uh, also in the life of, of Isaac, I mean, uh, of Jacob. God blessed them. They went through tough situations so that we would learn uh, to stop human dependency, human self-sufficiency, and to focus on who God is and what he will do in our lives if we stop focusing on self, if we stop focusing on the things of the flesh. So uh, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Uh, The earth is very interesting. And one day I'm going to do a complete study on uh, biblical cosmology so that you will understand what the Bible means by this word, earth. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered 
my servant Job. There is no one like him. There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So that is a Hebrew, and more closely it should read, have you set your heart upon my servant Job? So uh, uh, please understand that in Genesis 3, the, the enemy, the Nakash, uh, the devil, had carefully watched the family in the garden before his attack. Here we see the same situation. Uh, Job had been carefully watched by the Satan. And so verse 9, the Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Notice that the language of the barrister, the lawyer, notice that the, how he uses words, the manipulative intent, the cunning deceit of the enemy. So, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Okay, understand at this point, the divine economy, that the Satan gets God's permission to test his saint. Uh, this is God's permissive will. When you and I are tested, it, uh, it is God's permissive will. I'm talking now about believers walking by faith and not by sight. I'm talking about believers who do not hang on to sin but confess their sins. I'm talking about believers who abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about those who walk by faith and not by sight. Pressure uh, is going to come into Job's home in chapter 1. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Uh one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Well, then he goes on. While he was still speaking, notice the overlap. Notice the, uh, the technique of the writer. Notice the overlap. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God that is lightened fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, 
and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came in and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the old uh, brother's house, and suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. I want you to listen carefully to the language. I want you to know carefully that Job was a man of mature spiritual faith. He had no uh, negative reactions going on in his soul. He heard unbelievable news. He heard unspeakable things. He heard things that that found that that were unbelievable, and yet they were real. And I don't. And what you will not note here is any cognitive dissonance on the part of Job. What you will note is the stability of his character. Is there shock? We shall see. Continues. Is he bewildered? He's not bewildered. But notice his language. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Um, we will see that at the beginning, uh, beginning in chapter 3, Job will bemoan his birth. He will bemoan the day that he was born because of the intensity of his suffering. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And all this. Here we have affliction and worship. Job is an example of faithfulness under trial. James 5, 11. Now, if you obey God only because of blessings, the shallowness of your faith will appear in times of testing. Matthew seven twenty four to twenty seven and Matthew thirteen twenty to twenty one. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. James one one through eight and first Peter one three through nine. So In chapter 2, we read, verse 1, In another day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? The Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. 
Satan replied, skin for skin. A man will give all he has for his own life. I want you to get an understanding of Satan's view of man, of Satan's view of this godly man. If this was Satan's view of Job, what is his view of believers who walk in mediocrity? Satan is never going to lift up a believer and say, well, I, I admire his faith in you. I admire his trust in you. That's never going to be the case. Skin for skin. A man will give all that he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out of the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Now, I want to continue this discussion, uh, the Lord willing, on Sunday because there's a lot uh, to go into and a lot of detail that I want you to have in your thinking as you meditate on the Word of God, especially with regard to this topic, faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. I want the Holy Spirit to bless you, but the Holy Spirit can bless the will bless the Word. We have to think. We have to think doctrine. As we think doctrine, we will mature in the faith, and we will come to understand that God has given His own peace to have in our hearts in these evil days. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.